Welcome back to our last episode. I am Sophia Gautier. And I'm Graham Offrich. We are pediatricians and hosts of this podcast, Clinicians, Kids, and the Changing Climate. It is our last episode, and I'm feeling philosophical. You're going to talk about Hippocrates, aren't you? He had a lot of relevant things to say. Like, first, do no harm. We've been talking a lot about climate change and health and how we as pediatricians can help screen and counsel and treat our patients. But I have a feeling that as a healthcare industry, uh, we're also contributing to the problem. Hopefully we can use this episode to identify ways in which we can improve the carbon footprint of our own profession. All right, Sophia, hit me with the facts. All right. So in the U.S., it is estimated that healthcare contributes to about 9 to 10% of annual greenhouse gas emissions. Globally, the healthcare sector is estimated to contribute to about 4.4% of annual emissions around the world. Plus, it is estimated that the amount of disability-adjusted life years lost from healthcare pollution is equivalent to that due to medical error. So it looks like there's a lot of room for improvement. Let's talk about what that might look like. So on Earth Day in 2022, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services launched the Healthcare Sector Climate Pledge. This is a voluntary commitment to decrease greenhouse gas emissions by 50% by 2030 and net zero emissions by 2050. As of now, over 100 organizations have signed the pledge, and it's currently open for additional signatories. The same year, the AAMC conducted a survey to try and understand what medical schools, teaching hospitals, and healthcare systems were doing to respond to climate change. They estimate that about half of their affiliated health systems and teaching hospitals were taking some kind of climate action, whether that has to do with having relevant executive-level discussions or actually creating climate goals. Do we have examples of successful initiatives? So many. Okay, so this is like the part in the podcast that I've been waiting for. It's like the part we can have some hope in this scenario. Um, There is real work happening, and it's pretty inspiring. So for our pediatric anesthesiologists, back in 2020, the American Society of Anesthesiologists created the Inhaled Anesthetic Challenge to encourage providers to decrease their center's carbon emissions from anesthetics like nitrous oxide and desferlerine by 50% by substituting them with intravenous methods of anesthesia and upgrading older leaky pipe systems that carry those gases, for example. And perhaps maybe a little bit more relevant to pediatrics, the American Board of Internal Medicine's Choosing Wisely campaign aims to decrease unnecessary testing, which is great from a high-value care delivery perspective, but also decreases unnecessary waste. Are there any pediatric-specific interventions we can target? So albuterol meter dose inhalers, or MDIs, are commonly prescribed in the pediatric world. They contain hydrofluorocarbon propellants. One MDI is actually estimated to have the carbon footprint equivalent of driving 180 miles. There are dry powder and soft mist inhalers. These are shown to have similar efficacy and about one-fifth of the carbon footprint. Hmm. So our hospital recently restarted its green team initiative. What kinds of things can a green team advocate for and implement in hospitals? And can physicians join? Absolutely. Physicians can join and even spearhead green team initiatives. Recycling programs are always a good place to start. And one of my favorite target areas also includes advocating for plant-based and sustainably sourced cafeterias. I think that hospitals have a wonderful opportunity to set an example of healthy eating and providing nutritious food for patients. For example, Boston Medical Center actually has a rooftop garden that provides thousands of pounds of fresh, healthy produce for their food pantry. 
We can also pivot away from things like disposable plates and cuts and cutlery in our cafeterias. You mentioned single-use food containers. In light of PPE shortages and the recent pandemic, what about single-use medical waste? So UCLA Medical Center and Carillion Clinic in Roanoke, Virginia, have done studies that demonstrate that reusable isolation gowns are more cost-effective, safer, and more sustainable than the traditional disposable gowns used in 80% of U.S. hospitals. They actually showed a 30% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by switching and over 90% reduction in solid waste generation, which is more economical. So you mentioned cost effectiveness. However, it seems that one of the most commonly cited barriers to instituting sustainable change is cost. Yeah. So according to that double MC survey that I mentioned earlier, healthcare CEOs overwhelmingly report costs being the biggest barrier to green initiatives. I think often they're referring to upfront costs and not necessarily cost savings over time. That being said, the more hospitals that trial these initiatives and are able to demonstrate financial benefit, the more palatable and realistic these solutions might become. We've talked a lot about systems improvement. What about advocacy? Advocacy is another great opportunity for physicians to get involved. So this can include writing op-eds, meeting with local and state representatives, and partnering with climate-savvy organizations. So what are some examples of organizations that pediatricians can look into? The American Academy of Pediatrics has a Council on Environmental Health. It's really easy to join their listserv and kind of get linked in. The American College of Physicians has a climate change and health toolkit, and other organizations include Physicians for Social Responsibility, the Global Climate and Health Alliance, and the Medical Consortium for Climate and Health. I spoke to an adult colleague who also does a lot of work with climate change to get her perspective on how we as physicians can get involved as well. My name is Dr. Jessica Chambers. I'm an assistant professor of medicine at the University of Texas at Austin, Dell Medical School, as well as an associate program director for the Internal Medicine Residency Program. I hold a doctorate of medicine from Texas A&M University and a master of public health from the University of North Texas. How did you, as a physician, become interested in work in the realm of climate change? Every year, I notice people getting sicker when they shouldn't. Why is the food available in some communities more conducive to health than others? Why are some neighborhoods built without sidewalks and green spaces and public transportation that would support the ability to be active around their homes? And why are some patients in my 20s and 30s getting aggressive cancers? These nagging feelings were only compounded by the recent extreme weather events in central Texas, especially heat waves, that disproportionately affected patients experiencing housing instability or those who work outside without adequate water breaks. For me, it became an equity issue. Physicians should lobby for climate-friendly legislation, emphasizing emissions reductions, bans on carcinogenic pesticides and hygiene products, and protection of vulnerable populations. Most local advocacy groups are constantly looking for clinicians to testify before state legislators regarding the health effects of climate change, air pollution, and water pollution. I'll be honest, physicians are often already very busy with exhausting workloads and may not have the bandwidth to take on these initiatives. Are there any little steps that we can do? Yeah, definitely. So first, we can just start documenting what we see. There is an ICD-10 code, it's Z77.1, for, quote, contact with and suspected exposure to environmental pollution and hazards in the physical environment. This might help with establishing preliminary data collection. But more loosely, I think that personal actions are always a good place to start as well. By modeling sustainable behavior, we can inspire small cultural shifts that have potentially rippling effects. 
Things like carrying a reusable water bottle, turning off unnecessary lights, carpooling or taking public transit options, upcycling old items or buying used, and greenifying your diet. And educating yourself by doing things like listening to this podcast. And whether you're listening as part of a curriculum or just for your own fancy, we really, really appreciate you tuning in. We hope you have snagged some takeaways for your own practice. So thanks so much for listening. Happy greening. This podcast was researched and written by myself, Dr. Sophia Gautier. A massive thank you to my friend and co-host, Dr. Graham Offrich, as well as Dr. Jessica Chambers for her insights into climate change health policy. The podcast was produced by the fantastic audio engineers at the University of Texas at Austin Liberal Arts Instructional Technology Services team with funding via a pediatric medical education grant and instructional support from the Medical Education Fellowship at the University of Texas Dell Medical School.